Gather your gear. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb aboard a cryptid camper if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. Live from our cryptic camper, I'm Shay. I'm here with my good friend Tom. We'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode 21 of Scare Your Pants Off, our American road trip. In today's episode, we've set up camp in North Dakota. How are you doing, Tom? I am really, really good. How are you? I'm really good. I, I have decided I'm not going to call North Dakota North Dakota anymore, and I'm going to call it NODAC. And I don't know why, but that's how I feel about it. So it's NODAC for me. So from here on out, we'll be talking about NODAC. <laughs> I like that actually. That that that's got a good good ring to it. No DAC. I like it. Thank you. Have you been watching anything or doing anything fun or? I'm not doing that much fun stuff just because summer's finally summer is always the busy time at my work. It just yeah. you know people are on vacation with their kids uh, and all of that. So now it's finally dying down and the heat's finally starting to subside around here the humidity um so i'm really looking forward to start doing more but um as far as watching currently my two favorites i think are the after party on apple tv and uh only murders in the building are you watching either of them so yeah i'm still i'm still not 100 percent current on uh, only murders but the three of them, who who would have picked, would you have ever picked that pair, that trio, not a pair, to, to work together? Like how, that is magical. They're fantastic. Uh, I know. It's, I like, I didn't know much about Selena Gomez before this. I mean, I've heard of her, obviously, but didn't know much. And I would not think that she would mess so well with two 70 or 80 year old guys two of my all-time heroes as far as comedy i mean they're just and they they're touring together right now they do a a show uh, um steve steve martin and martin short like they they do a stand-up show together but it's like different it's not one goes on the other like one will come out for a little bit then he'll go back the other one will come out then they'll switch and then they'll come out together and do some stuff together and i hear it's just a fantastic show but yeah i would have never thought selena like would just hang with those two in a comedy show and she does 100 yeah. percent, and i just love it i just love it um and actually it's that they have a funny line in one of the episodes where she's like yeah i'll talk to her because it's a, a younger person you know i can i i speak young person because i am young and they're like i don't know You're, you kind of give off old lady energy and, and much where it's like, yeah, like, you know, uh, 72 to maybe 75 years old. And I just love that. Um, so, yeah, it's fun. How about the after party? Have you? Uh, I have. So Eric and I have tried the after party. It's going to end up being a show that I'm going to have to watch myself. I just haven't had a lot of time to uh, with everything going on. But um, it's. <laughs> I, Eric can't hear uh, Tiffany Haddish's voice. He just he just can't. It's he can't oh. concentrate. He can't. I I think she's 
like one of the funniest freaking people. So like I am gonna keep watching it, but at the moment, no, I haven't been. Um, but have you uh, given it a try to um, Invasion yet? I have not gotten around to an Invasion yet. Probably this weekend because I'm kind of now running out of shows or like yep. caught up on most of my shows so I uh, and it's funny a guy at work said the same thing to me just on Wednesday that I need to be watching Invasion yeah so. season two just started and it and it absolutely is funny uh like we're not 10 minutes in and I look over at Eric and in my my least favorite thing is when a show comes back from hiatus and it is slow and it drives me nuts especially if there was like stuff going on this show hit the ground running and it was action-packed for the first uh, minus the first like minute or two the next like eight minutes were just action-packed and it was phenomenal um how about morning show have you tried that at all uh yeah when, uh, when the first season came out uh, i i gave i watched a couple episodes and then it wasn't that I didn't like it. I think I just forgot about it and I've never gotten back to it. So that's when I should be watching. That is, so I'm in the second season now and I'll, I'll tell you, I don't like the, the second season as much as I like the first season because it's, it's maybe, it's maybe gone a little too far one direction for me. And, and it's, and it's just, it's, there's one guy in particular who's driving me nuts and I just, I just don't like him, but he whines all the time and it's, and I don't feel like it's always justified, but I am still watching it because there's, there's a couple open parts of the story from the first season that I am still like, okay, I need, I do need to know what happens here. Um, so I am watching the second season, but the first season was much better. Oh, I definitely, uh, I've also, I finished on Netflix the show Painkiller with Matthew Broderick. It's about the uh, Sackler family that, uh, you know, they, they created Oxycontin and, and yeah. created the the epidemic, this this greedy, greedy family. Um, very good. Matthew Broderick is great. He is in everything. I mean, it's Ferris Bueller. Yeah. He's, he's good in everything. But I got to say, and just like um, Dope Sick, which was the Hulu and kind of covered it just from a different perspective i find myself i'm watching it and it's a great show and i'm riveted but i'm also so angry that i'm like white knuckled watching this because you just see how bad of people this family were and just how they what they did how they made oxycontin how they lied about it and got all these people hooked and and we're fine with it and just continued to pump it out and we're trying to create Oxycontin for children. They wanted kids as young as six years old to take Oxycontin. Um, and it's just, but if you're interested in that stuff, it's definitely where that Matthew Broderick is great in it. Um, and then what was the other one? I was just, oh, I, I don't, I, I feel like it was the season finale, but I could be wrong. There might be what we do in the shadows episode. Oh. I have one more episode left, so I'm not. I'm like one episode behind now, and and what we can do in the shadows. That friggin' show, man! I can't. I, am, it's not even my kind of humor, and I I cannot get enough of that show. Like when this season's over, I'm going back. I'm watching the whole thing again because it's. it's 
I can't deal. Oh, these people, I can't deal with this. Too freaking funny. It's so funny. And oh, man. Yeah. Cause I, I, last night I was like, oh, episode nine. And then, but then I realized it was actually two, there was two episodes that I dropped. It was episode nine and 10. And so I'm assuming 10 is the season finale, just cause it kind of wrapped up some of the stories as well. And, but I mean, I could be wrong cause I don't know how many usually episodes they do in the season. I can't remember at this point, but oh my God. And that show is just so, so funny. It's, it's literally ridiculous. The, when I still can't, um, they're not like as big a thing now, but like uh, in the beginning of the season with the, uh, with the hybrids yes. of Gizmo and the, and oh, I, they, I call them they Gizmo. Come, they, they come back. So. Oh, do they really? Oh. I, I, might be, I might be a couple episodes behind them, but um, I'm almost there. It, oh, you're you're not going to be disappointed. It's such a funny show. I just, oh god, I I really, I mean, it seems like they're going to keep making seasons. I hope they do because it just it, it, every season it gets better, and that's rare in a show. I think it really is. And and the first season was great, so that's what's even rarer because it was already a great show, and it just gets greater and oh, so good. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? Speak, speaking, speaking of what we do in the shadows, there is, I, I'm going to call it a character. Uh, there's a character in this that at first, I honestly, when it, when it first appeared, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. But now, the, I can't remember what she calls it, that little friggin' doll, I, that is, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, it like, creeps me out a little because it, it's yeah. really creepy. But it's, um, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of learning about myself that I, I kind of love that little doll and I, I feel like I need it to be in the show, like stay in the show now because it, it's now part of it for me. But yeah, I, I remember when they first, when they, when I first started seeing it, I was like, eh, not really my thing, but you know, whatever. But now I love it. Uh, it's funny you say it because I'm the same way. I didn't like it at first. I was just like, eh, I don't know. And is this is this a smart move? And then, yeah, no, it's great. It, 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 it's I 100% agree. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all so funny. Yep. No, it's a good show. Oh shit. <sighs> all right. Have you got anything else? Uh, I think that's it. I think. Do you want to jump on into your cryptid? Time for the cryptid. Yeah. So, um, North Dakota was a fun state. Let me preface it with that. But it was kind of tough. There wasn't as many cryptids as I would have thought, especially being, you know, out west or kind of on the plains. I just thought there would be a group. Uh, really good selection i mean they had bigfoots mermaids they have a wendigo which is really cool but you know we've already discussed all those they have i almost went with the rougarou but we might already talk about it and the rougarou is essentially the lucaru of uh mm-hmm. louisiana you know it's a werewolf dog man whatever um but i went with and the mini washito. Have you heard of the mini washito? No, but I heard a little bit of a laugh in your voice, so I'm excited to hear about it. So, so the mini washito is a river slash lake monster. 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am absolutely I don't know if anyone else realizes this. I I Tom has absolutely completely abandoned how he feel, how he said he felt about lake monsters because we are we are multiple episodes now where you've done lake monsters and I feel like I feel like actually the last couple consecutive or uh, episodes we've both done lake monsters so yeah uh, we're gonna change cryptid to lake monster and then <laughs> it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be our show. that's so funny go on <laughs> yeah exactly and after i went on that rant about how boring lake monsters and crypt lake of water cryptids are my last two and you have done one <laughs> have been water monster yep. uh, water cryptids <laughs> But That's fantastic. I'm going to say this one is very, very different than your standard sort of Nessie or Chessie or Georgie or Champ or any of those. It's very, very different. So the Miniwashitu, also known as the water monster of the Missouri River, is said to be a terrifying beast that lives, travels, and hunts the Missouri River in central North Dakota. The creature was first encountered by the indigenous tribes of the region like the Mandan, the Mandan and Ojibwa, Ojibwe. Uh, I, I believe you can say Ojibwa or Ojibwa and Ojibwe. Uh, Ojibwa. I believe it means web weaver. Weaver. I actually had, we actually had a tarantula we named uh, Ojibwe. Um, pretty oh, cool. That's cool. That's really cool. So the Ojibwa, to name a few. Uh, the creature is both revered and feared by these tribes. This creature has been described as very similar to West Virginia's sheep squatch in appearance. Witnesses claim it's bipedal, approximately seven to eight feet tall, has very th a very thick, tough hide with red fur similar to a bison, a single cyclopic eye with a single horn above said eye, elk-like hooves, human hands, and a jagged and spiky backbone or spine much like a chupacabra. This wild physical description alone was one of the main reasons I chose it. <laughs> it. It's a pretty wild description, but I really love how it has characteristics of several different animals and cryptids and human, which is technically an animal. Um, but there's still a bit more to it. According to legend and lore, primarily of the indigenous peoples of the area, but there were, are, were others, um, they say that if you do see one swimming in the river, the water around it shines with the redness of fire and is often accompanied by a terrifically loud and terrifyingly booming blood curdling roar. But if you do spot one or see the fire red shimmer, you should avert your eyes and look away as quickly as possible. This is because it is said, if you gaze upon this creature, you will in very rapid succession, first go blind, then you go crazy, complete, uh, completely losing your mind, and then 
Finally, you will writhe away in immense pain until you die. The time, the timetable for this varies. I've seen anywhere from a day or two to two weeks. As I mentioned earlier about looking away, even if you do immediately, it may be too late. Uh, there are a few stories from current indigenous peoples that have been passed down or orally that detail the fates of those who had the unfortunate luck of spotting this creature. And if you're um, interested, just, uh, you know, go in researching it a little more, uh, do a Google search of the Miniwashitu or um, North Dakota cryptids. And there's a lot of really, really cool resources there. Um, now, at the very beginning, I said that the creature was not only feared, but revered by the Native Americans. And this is because sightings of or hearing its roar after winter signifies the beginning of spring. It is said when the temperatures begin to rise, the creature will swim up and down the river using its spiky spine to break up the ice on the river. Signifying spring. So that's about it for this guy. Um, but I just, it's not super long, but I really loved it. It just, it was very different and uh i guess yeah i guess i'm coming around on water cryptids <laughs> so. i mean i think i think it's i think it's obvious at this point yeah. <laughs> um yeah no you have um absolutely uh you are reformed from your hatred <laughs> or dislike of them because it's I, I would almost venture that you might be getting a little obsessive with them, but, you know, time will tell when the next, like, handful of episodes are all, oh, I did a lake once, I, I swear, <laughs> I'm going to cry, it's going to be wicked funny, but, all right, <laughs> a couple things, first, all right, a couple things, so, when you're describing this thing, I'm building it in my head, and it's, <laughs> like, I do all the time, the... For some reason, and I don't know why. So you're describing this creature, and it has it's like seven, eight feet tall. It's got red fur, one eye, one horn. Um, it's bipedal. It's got like a chupacabra, like like kind of bent spine, and um, and elk hooves. The human hands, and I don't know why, that cracks me up because despite the fact that this thing is completely covered in red fur, and I'm even picturing the hooved, uh, you know, the hoof capped um, legs covered in red fur for some reason its hands are skin and because i'm i'm picturing literally taking off of him and put on that'd be creepy um but put on this creature so like it's just these like random hands that, that don't fit and it's actually painting a really funny picture for me i like that so right now we're recording this and it's the beginning of september i'm already in halloween mode and you're talking about a one-eyed one horn something or other and that actually makes me really really happy i like this one this was really cool <laughs> i literally can't believe you did another lake monster <laughs> i i can't even get over it um so yeah i i absolutely fantastic choice probably up there with my favorite lake monsters you've talked about now and yeah 
I like it. Yeah, I had the same thought with the human hands, by the way, that <laughs> it's like furry except the hands, and they're just like just just human and just so weird. And just like it's like a like a Frankenstein's monster of cryptids, sort of just like all these things pieced together to make it. And um, it just, yeah, I don't know. It was once, once I read it, cause at first I'm looking and I saw, you know, Miniwashi too. And in the first line in the research was like lake monster. So I skipped it at first. <laughs> I was looking for something else. And then I came back to it and I was like, okay i have to do this it's so different and it just yeah it's a, a def, definitely um a weird one i had never heard of but it was a lot a lot of fun and very bizarre very bizarre looking looking creature uh, and i love the aspect of it making you go crazy like, yes i was so distracted by the description i forgot yes absolutely like i i always love when a cryptid has like magical powers stuff like that and i think that's why i previously like not a huge fan of like a you know a chassis or something because you don't really what does it do you know like like what does chessie or georgie do yeah they're like big dinosaur things swimming through the water but is that it where this, I mean, you go, you go blind, then you go, then you lose your mind. Then you get into immense pain from anywhere from a day to two weeks before you just die. It's just wild, wild one. And it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that guy. I'm having another, and it's happened recently. I'm having another Mitch Hedberg above ground pool flashback. <laughs> I that's all, that's all I can think about. Um, no, I, I like that. You know what else? It, unless I missed it, if I'm not mistaken, do we know how to kill this cryptid? No, no, there was no info on how to get That's actually, I didn't even think about that. No, to my knowledge, there's nobody's tried to kill it. Well, go Nodak. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> good point. All right. If you haven't got anything else, I I'm going to jump on into my, perfect, I'm going to jump on into my haunting. Time for the haunting. Now, okay, so, <sighs> I like my haunting, I like what I found, but Nodak, North Dakota. North Dakota is very hard to research, because there is, there is just miles of stuff that are haunted, there's ghost towns, they have the stairway to hell that is under a burnt down church in a ghost town. It's, there's so many things that I wanted to pick, but I could find like a paragraph of information. And I don't want to give you guys like a paragraph of information. I want to give you a little bit more than that. And at least something to kind of go on if you want to dive in your research. So after a lot of like hours and hours of research, trying to find something I landed on and I'm probably going to butcher this name. So I apologize, but. I landed on the uh, Mick Gilvory House, M-C-G-I-L-L-I-B-R-A-Y, but it's also known as the Lion House. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. It was built in 1895 by A.C. Mick Gilvory. 
Uh, he was a Canada native who moved to Chicago, then to North Carolina by 1885. So he had many business interests. This guy had business. He had he had his hands in every state doing all sorts of business stuff from like land ownership, being a landlord, uh, business, you know, he had business interests like he ran a general store. He had a horse farm, I believe. He literally did everything. If you think of it, he probably did it. So um, now to dive into the house, because obviously the guy's very interesting, but we're here for the house. Uh, McGilvery had the house built for he and his wife, and not long, only a few short years after they moved in, he did lose his wife in the house. And her services even happened in the house. So it was just, I feel like, not a super uncommon practice either. Now, not super long after, he himself died pretty young at the age of 48, uh, and his services were also held in the home. Now, you would assume that that's where I'm going to tell you the haunting came from. I don't know that it is. There's a little bit more meat to this story. Um, there was a second family, I believe, to reside in this home as a family home. It was a father and a mother and either two or three children, depends on what you read. I've seen both. So I've seen two more often. So I'm going to assume it was two. Uh, it is rumored that the father in this family uh, at night, one night, uh, went around and killed his entire family. I've seen conflicting ways that he killed them. So I'm actually not going to say any of them because I don't know if this is true. And I don't want to, I don't want to fabricate something that it, that is that is possibly true. Mm -hmm. And now, he killed his whole family and then he went up to the master bedroom and killed himself uh, by hanging. Now, this house was also for a time an apartment building. So it's almost like they converted the big house into like different apartments like, like you see everywhere. Uh, some of the claims are the normal stuff, the footsteps, the lights flicker and the cold spots. Very common stuff, but there is pretty consistently a man seen walking around, both from passersby who feel uncomfortable around the house and people who have resided in the house. This house has changed ownership numerous times, and it seems to trend that it often goes up for sale while it's being renovated, which once I get, maybe you get it a little over your head and... You didn't realize, but um, yeah, it seems as though it's happened more than once during a renovation, almost like they're stirring something up. But uh, and that that is what I have for the hunt. Huh. Oh, I really like it. It's a start. Yeah, I uh, never never heard of it. Um, I, I I always find it so much more common, like in the eighteen hundreds, that people like went by initials for their first name, A.C. McGillivary or whatever. It was always, I don't know why they did that, but they're big on initials. Anyway, that's besides the point, just something I was thinking about. I'm like, yeah, 1800s, they love those initials. Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, it was great choice. I mean, it would sort of make sense why it's haunted it. Father, mother, two kids, killed entire family. So sad. I hate hearing those stories, just good. regardless of which parent it was. Funny that, you know, having 
the wife died in the house and he died at the age of 48 which is fairly young even i mean granted it was a long time ago um that that isn't like the main haunt in the house or whatever mm -hmm. you know i found that strange but with a father mother and killing two kids then himself all that negative energy in a house i mean it just it makes sense why stuff would be happening um they're really creepy about just the man walking um but i think the most interesting for me was what you said at the end there it changing or uh, selling it during renovations like and it happening often like you said once maybe twice like maybe you, you know you just get it a little over your head on the renovations and realize you can't can't afford it or something like that but uh really for it to happen really more than once it is a very very strange thing because usually unless the renovation was specifically to spruce it up and then uh sell it why would you do it but then again if you're doing that you're not selling it mid-renovation if you're doing yeah. if you're sprucing it up to sell it on that so why would you do it mid-renovate because otherwise if you're renovating it to make it how you want it how you would want your house to be laid out or something so for that to keep happening is god that's that's really strange and really really telling there um so uh, do you do realtors have to tell them if like if this keeps happening and it's haunted? i know some states have like if there's a death or you believe it's haunted it has to be disclosed that is a give me a second that is a really good question i know okay Huh. All right. So I, I know some states have to, but I also know some states don't. North Dakota is a caveat emptor state and, and basically means that any facts pertaining to stigmatized events are not required to be disclosed. Uh, they can only be disclosed with permission of the seller. Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's good for the seller. Yeah, not so much the not so much the buyer. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know every state varies, so very interesting. Yeah, especially because it keeps happening. Great choice. I loved it. I, you know, sometimes the short ones are the best ones, honestly. Yeah, it, they really are. Because sometimes with the shorter ones, too, you get to let your imagination go into other areas because it's not as well defined and just, yeah, that was a great choice. Loved it. So I'm I'm looking now now it's like piqued my interest. Uh, Massachusetts is also one of those states that does not have to disclose it, but they are not allowed to lie when asked about it. Oh, and then, okay. um, and then, Rhode Island also does not require it. Really, does not require the disclosure of death on the property, and the state the state does not consider death crimes or murder to be material fact requiring disclosure huh interesting that's uh yeah. i never knew that I, I thought rhode island was one of the ones where you had to disclose it so that's good to know huh yeah nope that's uh very intriguing um okay well uh, have you got anything else on the hunt 
No, no. Like I said, great choice though. But, all right, you wanna you wanna jump on into your strange encounter? Time for the strange encounter. I do. So uh, this was a lot of fun, and honestly, it was like the first one that popped up, first one I found, and it was just such a cool one. I had to pick it, which is often not the case. We know with strange encounters, usually you got to sip through a lot of, you know, not not a lot to um lights in the sky, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But uh, no, this one was cool. Have you heard of the 1948 Fargo dogfight? I, I mean, I know what Fargo is, but no, I haven't heard of the a dogfight. No, I haven't heard of that. So I hadn't heard of it either. So the 1948 Fargo dogfight, also known as the Gorman dogfight. On the cool, crisp autumn night of October 1st, 1948, something strange happened in the skies above the NDAC, that's North Dakota Agricultural College, and their team name is the Bisons. It's, that college is now North Dakota, North Dakota State University. Um, versus the Augustana Vikings college football game. And it's almost as though a Fargo Forum sports editor named Eugene Fitzgerald had a sixth sense as to what would happen that night when he wrote the headline for his article called Aerial Display Likely in Bison Augustana Game Tonight. So how did he know that something weird was going to happen in the skies that night? Well, in reality, he was actually referring to his prediction that the game would feature more passing than rushing. A rarity in football in 1948 and even more rare in the college game. Even to this day, it's rare in the college game to have more passing than running. It would turn out that his prediction would not come to pass in the game, though. The Bisons would squeak out a hard 14-6 victory with much more rushing, rushing than passing from both sides. But, as I said earlier, the headline would prove kind of prophetic when news finally broke as to what happened in the sky that night. So what did happen? Well, it was one of the most credible UFO stories slash encounters of not only the 20th century, century, but ever. Witnessed by a few, including an accomplished and very well-respected World War II pilot and flight enthusiast and three other very, very accomplished aviators. So, just a little bit about Gorman. He was born July 7th, 1923 to Norbert and Roberta Gorman in Fargo, North Dakota, and had a modest upbringing. During World War II, Gorman became a B-52 instructor for French aviation students. After the war ended, he returned home and was employed as a manager of a local construction company. Then in January of 1947, this, uh, on the 16th of January to be exact, North Dakota Air National Guard form would form. 
at Fargo's Hector Airport, which Gorman promptly joined as a second lieutenant. So, in the early hours of October 1st, 1948, George Gorman was flying his P-51 Mustang with the other guard pilots. Part of their flight path was over Old Dakota Field, where the Bisons played their home games. Um, there's now a new field or stadium uh, located slightly north of the old field, but it's still called that Dakota Field. So, after approximately uh, about approximately a half hour later, all the pilots decided to call it a night and head back to the hangar. Well, all of them except George Gorman, as he wanted to get in more flying time. It is his passion, after all. According to the story in the Fargo Forum, dated October 3rd, 1948, um, Gorman was flying near uh, the Hector uh, Airport Field, which is about two and a half miles from the football field, when an air traffic controller told him or warned him of a small Piper Cub, Cub plane flying in the area. Garmin acknowledged the smaller plane that was cruising about 500 feet below him. A few minutes later, though, Gorman spotted something else. Radioing air traffic control, he would say, a round flying disc with well-defined edges and brilliantly lit was circling slowly over the city. He called the tower to inquire about the object, but they only had his aircraft and the small Piper Cub aircraft on the radar. There was nothing else showing up on their screens. So, Gorman decided to investigate, which may or may not have been a smart thing. But, as he got closer to the object, it suddenly got brighter and shot away from him at a very, very high speed. Gorman would estimate that the craft was flying at a approximately 250 miles per hour. But as Gorman tried to pursue and get closer, it accelerated to about 600 miles per hour in an instant. Gorman's plane had a max speed of 400 miles per hour, so the craft lost him pretty easily. Thinking that was it for this chase, he was getting ready to head back when all of a sudden it came back and was now flying straight at him. He would say that when the object was coming head on, I held my plane pointed right at it. The object came so close that I involuntarily ducked my head because I thought a crash was inevitable. And I've done that. I know in a car I've done it, you know, you see something coming, you kind of flinch or duck a, or whatever. A parking garage when you're like, oh, hold on, I can get through. Perfect example, a parking garage or bri low bridge, something like that is perfect example. Um, so I knew exactly what he meant. But the object zoomed over my head. Um, the dogfight is what they call, I guess that's a sort of a term they used in war and stuff when two planes were going at each other. It's a dogfight. The dogfight was said to last 27 minutes, minutes, which is really long for a UFO encounter. Gorman said that he was so shaken by the encounter, he had a hard time landing his plane 
and would go on to call the ordeal the weirdest experience I've had in my life. So, the fallout from this. After Gorman reported the incident to his commanding officer, the case was referred to Air Force Intelligence. Investigators arrived in Fargo on October 4th and interviewed the two air traffic controllers that were in the tower that night, as well as the pilot of the small Piper Cub plane, who was a, actually a local physician. Each of them corroborated Gorman's account of the incident. In an official sworn statement by Gorman, he stated that he was convinced that there was a definitive thought behind the object or craft's maneuvers. He would state that the aircraft could go faster, turn tighter, and climb steeper than his aircraft or any aircraft he knew of. Its propulsion was far more advanced than any known aircraft. And despite Gorman's insistence to the contrary, as well as the three other witnesses, the Air Force concluded quite quickly it was actually the combination of looking at the planet Jupiter and a weather balloon. So I don't know how <laughs> a combination of looking at the weather yeah. and and like, what what do they mean? The combination? Did they all of a sudden come together? Like, I just don't even, you know, typical, typical governmental sort of response. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I. Uh, that drives me nuts. I hate when they do that. Well, like, it was something you've you've seen a million times before, but you just didn't recognize it this time. Really? Like, that's yeah, that's what it was, and something we know, but it's fine. Yeah, you're an experienced World War II pilot, but yeah, you don't know the difference between a weather balloon and, uh, and a ship. And so, anyway, Gorman was then was was actually warned not to divulge any more information on the matter, or he would be subject of a court martial. And this is why many believe. He stayed so quiet about the incident for the rest of his military career and life. He would eventually retire with the title of Lieutenant Colonel, and he passed away in the early 1980s from pancreatic cancer at the age of 59. So what about any of the other witnesses? And more specifically, what about the, wit the potential witnesses from the aforementioned football game? Well, this all would have played out just before what would have been a halftime, I guess, of that football game, and was only about two and a half miles away. And on top of that, the National Centers for Environmental Information says officially that visibility that night was 13.1 miles, and there was no record of any precipitation. So football fans wouldn't have had their view obstructed by clouds, snow, sleet, hail, or rain. But to this day, there is no record of any fans coming forward with sightings of the UFO. This seems very odd to many, myself included. I, uh, there's a couple theories as to why people have said that maybe, you know, somebody did report it to uh, local police or, you know, governmental agency, and then those people were visited by that governmental agency and told not to talk about it anymore. 
but that has never been a hundred percent proven uh, in a professional astronomer and meteorologist has a theory though as to why may uh, that maybe nobody saw it and according to him that the distance from from that distance the um the flashes of light and the sounds of garmin's plane and and the ident unidentified craft might have been confused for heat lightning a common occurrence in North Dakota. He's he's not trying to cover it up here. I want to make that clear. He's just saying that is a possibility. Maybe people just mistook it for heat lightning. He's not saying it was heat lightning. He, yeah. He actually uh, contacted the Air Force and claimed that he told the Air Force it was not possible for it to be a weather balloon and actually would ask them how the Air Force can deny reports by people they themselves trained. So that's about it for this one. I just, I really, this was a lot of fun. I really love this one. I had a little bit of everything here. So, no, I, very good choice. So, first of all, that meteorologist, yeah, you tell him. Thank you. Absolutely. I like that he's like giving it to him because it's so frequently that doesn't happen and, yeah. and it's and it's i mean not it's not unfrequent for the government to be like oh you saw <laughs> the sun i just like i mean really it's it's ridiculous um but i love that you have someone who is very clearly educated would absolutely know really more than one person in the situation but someone that can actually put them in check be like no this is this is not what you're saying it is um the perspective of the fact that one of the main witnesses was in it was in a plane himself like he was in mm -hmm. he was flying i don't recall i don't recall ever stumbling on a witness like that with that much detail like that's fantastic right that was one like as i'm reading it i was like oh my god this is like this is new for me like and like <laughs> flying directly at each other uh, Definitely. And how terrifying is that? Like that's, I I don't even know. Like I I don't I don't know how I would have kept my wits about me. I don't know, I don't know any of that stuff. I wasn't sure where you were going with dogfight, so I was like, okay. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad it's a nickname for something, uh, much better. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah that was. So I find it really funny and it, it almost, I find it a really cool coincidence, I guess I should say, that um, the guy put it in the paper, like something about there being like a, like an event in the sky before, like that's, that's cool. And honestly, it's, I, I can't, I don't know a lot of people that wouldn't maybe capitalize on, oh yeah, I know, <laughs> but he didn't. And that's honestly, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually a cool little thing, like that aerial display tonight, especially, like I said, at the time, 1948, they didn't pass a lot back then. It was mainly handoffs, even in the NFL in the 40s. Yeah. And and then, like I said, in the college game, it's 
they still don't pass a lot unless it's like a phenom quarterback, like you got a Mahomes or, you know what I mean? Somebody like that. Other than that, it's like most college games is mainly rushing and stuff, or at least it was when I actually followed football. I, I, I guess I shouldn't speak like an expert. I haven't watched a football game in years and years and years. So, but uh, yeah, no, like I said, this was just – it was like a, it was fun. And yeah, I wasn't, I had heard the term dogfight for, you know, it before in, re, in respects to war, but I wasn't sure when I first saw the title of it, I was like, what is this? And yeah, had it been about actual dogfighting, I probably wouldn't have done it because that's just gross. And uh, I, dogfighting is just disgusting. So, <laughs> but this type of dogfight um, was, was very interesting. And, uh, yeah, just one I had never heard of, and that's, I mean, 27 minutes, that's a, that's an eternity in uh UFO encounter, like, to, if, and like you said, to be, you gotta, even, even being an experienced pilot, you know, World War II instructor, whatever, that's gotta be terrifying, 27 minutes of this, just, this craft fucking with you in the sky, like, excuse my language, but. Oh, yeah, but still. It's, uh. Yeah, definitely crazy story. All right. Have you got anything else for me today? I do not. All right, everyone. So thanks for listening. Uh, Please be sure to join in next week when we set up camp in New Hampshire. Until then, happy camping. Thanks, guys. Bye. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod, no spaces, or on Twitter, ScareYourPantsOffPodcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to ScareYourPantsOff9 at Gmail. See you next time.